Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Welcome back, everybody, to another amazing episode of For the Love of Money, one that I am so excited to do today because I get to sit down with Thor Conklin. Yes, the Thor Conklin, the gentleman who works with so many of the biggest entrepreneurs out there. And so imagine the value that we're going to get today when we get to pick his brain. And before we do, I just want to remind you, Lori and I love all of the messages and all of the questions that we get in terms of how do I lead a more profitable life? How do I lead a happier life? How do I get my business off the ground? So many of these answers are located at theblisshabit.com. Again, theblisshabit.com. Go check it out because it's literally 12 weeks and 12 separate modules that you can participate in that we believe help shape the exact kind of life that you are looking for. So check it out. If it's for you, go ahead and participate in it. I guarantee it'll be life-changing. Now, when I sit down with Thor today, this turns into one of the best conversations I've had in a long time because not only is he the founder of the Peak Performance Group, but he is a profitability expert. You know, I feel like way too often we spend too much time talking about how to make more money, how to make more money, how to make more money, when instead we forget to check in on how do we keep more money. And so we're going to do a deep dive and check out some of his profitability hacks that he shares with the top entrepreneurs in the world that he works with out there. He's also a senior leader for Tony Robbins. So imagine the lessons that he has soaked in from being around Tony and his tribe at that level. We're going to talk about what he's learned from billionaire Spanx founder Sarah Blakely, who he's worked with. And also, we're going to do a deep dive on accountability, the one thing that entrepreneurs are missing the most out there accountability. And he even leaves us with a special gift at the end because of the generous man that he is. So sit down, listen up, because this is an incredible episode. Thor, my man, thank you so much for being on today. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. I'm really excited. I've actually never talked to, and I know you're a jack of many trades, but I've never talked to a profitability specialist before. So it's going to be kind of exciting to get into that. Yeah, I mean, the whole reason to be in business, right, is to make a profit and then uh, give it away to the areas that uh, mean the most to you. Yeah, absolutely. So before we get there, um, in my mind, one of the most important parts of any podcast is that our listeners really get the chance to know you and, and know what you're all about before we get into all the business stuff. So help us out a little bit. What's your story and what should we know about you, Thor? Yeah, how, how far back do you want me to start? <laughs> I'll tell you what, whatever you think is significant and relevant. Okay. Well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start with, you know, as a young teenager, I was always picking up odd jobs. And one of the first ones that I did, I was a caddy. And it really set the foundation for me as an entrepreneur because it allowed me to spend four to eight hours a day with some amazing, successful business people. And, you know, walking around the golf course for four hours, you get to ask tons of questions. So one of my first mentors was actually a guy I caddied for for years. So you know, I, I started working young. I, I knew what hard work was all about, and I was listening. I was asking questions and listening at a very young age. 
So being a caddy, is this where your drive for entrepreneurship came from? You know, I think so. Actually, I went into the insurance industry, and the guy that I caddied for actually was in the uh, insurance industry as well. Uh, I was not a great student, so when I was looking around at schools, you know, I grabbed the, the catalog. This is back before the internet. So I grabbed the catalog to the top 200 schools and universities in the country, and I turned it, you know, upside down and started from the back. And I think at number 198, I found my college. <laughs> Although I found my college, they had not found their student yet. So when I actually went to apply, they're like, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Thor. Um, you know, I we appreciate you wanting to come here, but uh, you don't have the grades. I'm like, wait a second, I don't have great enough grades to get into insurance school. This is not. I, I guess I did not apply myself the way I should have in high school. So I had to go to um, community college. I had to take a couple courses and get A's and B's. And six months later, I showed back up, and I said, "You told me I had to go back. I had to get some these grades, and here they are." And they're like, "Wow, you actually follow through?" I said, "Yes, sir. I'm here. This is where I want to go." That's amazing, especially at that age. A lot of people, you know, so, someone turns them down and they don't really follow through the way you did. So I can see why they're shocked. So I've got to ask you, being a caddy and spending all this time with all these businessmen, what's the lesson that stands out to you the most that you remember from, you know, your days being a caddy? Yeah, the people that ran around showing everything that they had, drove the fancy cars and were always talking about their success were not the most successful. The people that were the quietest, drove the Chevy or the Buick and didn't make a big spectacle of themselves. Those were your ultra wealthy. I remember caddying for Emirata Hess, Hess Oil. He was one of the most low-key individuals you would ever meet. That's incredible. Why do you think we see this trend? Because I've seen that quite a bit, especially living in LA here, right? You know, it's a, the, the city is famous for people driving a Lamborghini, but having four roommates. So <laughs> why do you think we see that trend where those who are most successful typically don't wear it on their sleeve and those who are um, vice versa? Yeah, most people are driven by a need for significance and they want to look good. They want people to like them. And they want to be the, you know, the guy or the girl in the middle and they go out and they, they put it out to show. Um, but the people that I've met in my life and I'm 54 have always been the ones that are very quiet. You know, you, they walk into a room, they don't say much, but you know, there's a presence there. It's almost an energy, right? That you, you can it literally, literally it pick is. up on it. Yes. That's incredible. So growing up, um, besides that lesson, who's one of the people who had the biggest impact on the successful life that you now live? Oh, wow. Well, certainly that, that first mentor of mine. I have another mentor, um, Keith Cunningham, an amazing business uh, entrepreneur. I've done a lot of studying with him. I've actually been a senior leader for Tony Robbins for the last 13 years. So uh, being along his side for 13 years, a couple of things rub off. So uh, those, are, those are probably three. All right, Thor, let's go there once. This is pretty incredible. I've seen Tony a few times this year in, in different capacities. What is a senior leader? And by the way, I did not know this about you. What is a senior leader and what kind of exposure do you have to Tony? Yeah, great question. So I've gone through all of his programs as a student. And then I went, uh, was trained by him and then selected out of a, a group to come back and be one of his senior leaders. So at an event, uh, many of the events, they have team leaders, trainers, senior leaders, and I'll work directly with the participants, uh, working with them one-on-one -on -one and debriefing them on the topic matter that we're talking about. So which, which program were you at? Um, I've been to Unleash the Power Within twice, uh, okay. just once this year. And then once was for a private uh, company that you spoke at okay. that I'm a part Got of. It. And then another time was 
uh, just an industry he was speaking for. Okay, so if you go to a date with destiny or a business mastery, that's when we work one-on-one, life mastery, uh, wealth mastery, those programs. UPW, where we have a stadium of 10,000 people at this point, um, we're not working one-on-one with the participants unless something comes up, we're there to, uh, uh, to help them. So what kind of impact has this had on you and your success being around Tony and or the tribe that he kind of assembles? Yeah, well, I can walk on fire. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it, it's really it's been a, a you know a major major influence on my life. I, I'm not, you know, there's a lot of people that run around going, oh, Tony, you know, it's he's he's a great individual, a great mentor, but he, he's one of many for me. I I just I love going back and spending time uh, with his groups and and helping entrepreneurs and and people just in general. So, I just I have a passion for that. But you know. Tony's standards are so amazing. You know, one of the things that is really interesting, I've had a lot of time to spend with him uh, backstage. And what you would not know, the new film came out, uh, I'm Not Your Guru. So he actually showed a little bit now, people can understand. But when he's done at night at 3 o'clock in the morning, he spends two to three hours debriefing the event with his uh, creative team. Now, this is somebody that has done these programs for 30 years Okay, he knows how to do these programs. He's been through this once before. This is not his first rodeo. But yet at three o'clock in the morning, he finds it that important to spend three hours debriefing what went well, what did not go well, and how can I improve this tomorrow? That's incredible. That quest for excellence is you almost don't even see it to that level yeah. anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And before he goes on stage, he goes through this pre routine that if you're standing in his way, he'd actually kill you. Uh, and he. he does that he activates his body before he goes out on stage we walk into business meetings every single day as entrepreneurs and we just kind of roll out of a car take off our ear you know earbuds finish a phone call walk right into the meeting and then just kind of wing it he does not do that so do you have kind of a uh, preparation ritual before you speak or meet with people Oh, absolutely anytime before I go on stage absolutely there's a routine that I go through uh, before I wake up in the morning absolutely before I wake up in the morning well I take three deep breaths before I leave my bed. And the first thing that I do is I make a pledge. I was a Boy Scout when I was younger, so I, I've kind of bastardized their pledge. But <laughs> it is—it basically goes like this: I, Thor Conklin, promise to do my best, to do my duty, and to keep my commitments. So help me God. That is and then right after that, I say a quick little prayer: God, please give me the strength, the focus, and the determination to do my best, keep my commitments, and do my duty. So help me God. That is fantastic. You know, I didn't know we had this in common. The very first thing in the morning, the minute my eyes are open, I wake my wife up to a mantra. And ours happens to be, I am hap- I'm healthier, I'm sorry, I'm happier, healthier, wealthier, more fit than I was yesterday. And then the minute I get her to repeat it back to me so that she actually means it, uh, then I quickly close my eyes. And same as you, I do a quick little 60 to you know 90 second prayer of just things I'm grateful for. And yeah. I literally, the first three minutes of my day then, have helped shape my thoughts and, and, and shape my path. Do you feel yeah. like the most successful people have some kind of strong morning ritual they start with? I have not found one that does not. Wow. There's, so for everyone, yeah, for everyone listening, I mean, that's a hack right there. That, that is something that they need to make sure they're doing. Yeah. So you are a profitability expert and yes, this might sound surprising, but I feel like most entrepreneurs don't focus on profitability. I feel like they focus on revenue, 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 and everything else except for profitability. Um, what are you seeing out there regarding this among entrepreneurs? And you know, are you seeing this trend as well? 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it goes back to the earlier discussion about, you know, wearing it on your sleeve and showing everybody. When people love running around saying, talking about their funding rounds and talking about their top line. Well, both of which really don't mean much. The funding rounds are, are just the fuel. The top line is great. I mean, we need sales. But if you can't turn those sales into profits and those profits into cash, why are we doing what we're doing? You know, and, and a lot of people just do it because they like the, the show. So it, it's all about the profitability. You know, we, we run around and we talk and you hear all this chatter about work-life balance. And I, I want to, you know, have some balance in my life. I, I'm being pulled in all different directions. Well, if you can create a company that has enough profitability that allows you to bring in the management team that's necessary to run the company as a business, it allows you to step to the side and really do have the balance. You don't need to be in the middle of it. You know, most people think that they're business owners. Most of the time, their business is owning them. Wow, that's incredible perspective, and, and I see that all true, the right? time. It really is. I see yeah. so many people burnt out saying, how do I make more? How do I make more? How do I make more? Instead of focusing on how do I keep more? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, it comes down to, you know, sometimes it's the strategy. Sometimes it's the people. Sometimes it's the psychology. It, it, it's all different reasons, but for the most part, people know what to do. They just can't figure out how to get it done. The execution breaks down. So that's really what we're focused on. We're, we're, if you take the name of our company is Peak Performance Group. So if you take the word peak and you start with a K is knowledge, right? We all You need knowledge, but you need the correct knowledge. And people run around with the wrong knowledge and run in the wrong direction. So first you got to start with the correct knowledge. And then you need accountability. You need someone, not an accountability partner, somebody that you know you become buddies with. You need an accountability manager, somebody to hold your feet to the fire, and they don't care. They don't care if you're not getting your stuff done. They are going to hold you accountable until you get it done, period. And that's what accountability partners don't do. And I could go on and on and talk about that. The next is the execution, right? The E. You need the execution. And I identified 85 things that get in the way of execution. And they'll, finally, if you can get those first three things right, you'll end up with the P, the profitability. That's incredible. So you just take your peak performance, you work it backwards, and, and that's how you came up with these things. So out of the um, knowledge and the accountability and the execution, which one of the three is the most important? Well, I'll tell you this. <laughs> well, the profitability, but the profitability is the result of the other three. Yeah. It's not the knowledge. And I'll start there. People are constantly running around from seminar to book to guru to you know this program on the internet this expert looking for this magic pill this silver bullet this knowledge that is going to fix everything it ain't about the knowledge i promise you is knowledge important yes it is but that is not it it's the execution that is the most important people know what to do they're just not doing it and what I find is the number one contributor for people not executing is they don't have real accountability. Mm. So, I mean, the knowledge and everything else is almost, it's worth nothing without that accountability piece you're saying. Yeah, knowledge is not power. Correct knowledge applied properly is power. But knowledge, if, if I gave you, you know, if, if there was a secret to life, right? 
I don't think there is one thing. But if there was a secret to life and I just gave it to you and you didn't do anything with it, what power is there? There's nothing. And that's what happens. Most people have, you know, they don't have bookshelves. They have shelf help, you know, sitting mm, there. They've got yes. book after program, right? It's all sitting on the shelf. They just haven't looked at it or read it or applied it, executed on it. Okay, so I'm starting to see this trend, and I'm curious to get your input on this. Yeah, please. Do you think we live in a time of people being overfed knowledge, almost like it's it's trendy to brag about the number of seminars and the number of experts that you've bought programs from, and, and you feel like you're being left out or you're falling behind if you're not participating in all this? You know, there's a quote, and I'm going to bastardize it. It's from Jim Rohn, and he says something, you know, you'll either you'll either figure it out and execute it, or you'll figure out an excuse of why you didn't do it. And what happens is, and and, and I was like this, okay? I, I wasn't quite the, you know, the seminar or book, you know, kind of junkie, but I, I've been to my fair share, to say the least, is we don't want to admit that the problem might be us. If it's something that we haven't heard, it's something we haven't been exposed to, well, guess what? It's not us and we're continuing to look for it and the media out there facebook linkedin whatever you're looking at is telling you the reason you're not successful is you don't have my program dial 1-800 get my program you know so you're getting bombarded with this messaging and it fits within your psyche of ah i must be missing something and i ran around for years i had a manufacturing company i was banging my head up against the wall I bought this company. This is one that I did not start. And it was in an industry that I knew nothing about. And I just couldn't figure out how to turn this thing and, and make it as profitable that I needed it to be. And I just said, I just, I'm missing something. What else do I need to, oh, I know. Let, let me learn, let me learn pay-per-click. Oh, let me find out about Facebook ads. Oh, let me find out about this. I thought I was missing something. But what I needed was already within me. What I needed to do was execute, track, measure, and adjust what I already knew. Thor, this is huge. I see this way too much, and I've never seen somebody encapsulate it as well as you have. And you nailed it when you said, we don't want to admit that the problem might be us. It's easier to blame it on not having found the secret yet. I mean, that is, yeah. if people take anything away from this conversation so far, that has to be one of the biggest breakthroughs. Yeah, I, all I had to do is just find it in myself. You know, the whole reason that Peak Performance Group was created is because I was the first customer. I was the first client before it was even a company because I could not stand the pain that I was in. And I'm part of an organization called Entrepreneurs Organization, worldwide uh, organization of entrepreneurs. Got to have a million dollar plus business. There's 12,000 of us worldwide. And I would go to international events. I, I've got amazing people here in Atlanta as well. And when I started to really dig in and have real conversations with these folks, these, some of them are doing five, six, 10, 20 million in revenue, and many of them are trying to figure out how to take a hundred and a half home. No. Yes. Yes. I, it shocked me. But everybody loves running around. They have nice offices. They've got unbelievable tri-folder presentation material. <laughs> <laughs> this stuff is pretty. They're uh. just not making any money. Wow, that is insane. Where's the biggest waste that you see typically when you're starting to dig into someone's profitability? The biggest waste really is is their doodads. <laughs> the 
<laughs> I'll steal that from my from my mentor Keith Cunningham. Doodads, you know, it's about pimping out their office, pimping out their um, their organization. They have a lot of people. There's a lot of money, and, and it happens even more when there's a lot of funding involved. You know, it was it was really interesting. The side note here. We'll, We'll head off to grandma's house here for a second. I spent last weekend, last yeah, it was last weekend, with Jesse Itzler and Sarah Blakely. Uh, they're Huge married. Sarah, yeah. yeah, yeah, all right. So you know who Sarah is? Sarah is yep. youngest self-made billionaire. Do you know, when she started Spanx, she started with $5,000. She came up with the concept. She got some dem- uh, some product together, um, some, what are, what are they called? The shapewear. It wasn't shapewear yeah. back then, but she got some pantyhose, cut the, the toes off. And then she went and she started making phone calls and she got Nordstrom's to meet with her. She flew to Dallas. She impressed them. She got into this store. You know what she did for two and a half years? Hmm. For two and a half years, she spent every single day, seven days a week for two and a half years in a Nordstrom's. Oh, I'm sorry, Neiman Marcus. So sorry, Sarah. <laughs> Neiman Marcus. Every single day selling to customers as they walked in the door. She didn't work for Neiman Marcus, but she sat and stood on the showroom floor in a department store selling her product to people that walked in the door. Hi, I'm Sarah. This is my product. Let me explain it to you. That's incredible. And most people don't have the fortitude and the persistence to do that. I I find people have, they're like impatient entrepreneurs these days. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they want everything right now. I've came, uh, uh, can I share with you my ultimate success map? Please do. Okay, and it's a really interesting story. At least I find it interesting anyway. I, back to the question of what am I missing? What am I missing? You know, sometimes I have great success and other times not so great success. And sometimes it just it just fails. It just doesn't work at all. I said, there's got to be something that I'm changing each time because if this is a formula, I should be able to repeat it each and every time. So I had pieces of this throughout the years. But then I was on the plane, not on the plane, I was on the train system in the Atlanta airport, Hartsfield Atlanta airport. And the next time anybody flies through Hartsfield Atlanta airport, you'll see it right there on the train. There's a map and it's the map of the airport. You have the T gate, you got baggage claim, you got A terminal all the way up to F terminal. And there it was. It was like the sun just like kind of opened up, you know, the, the, the roof opened up and the sun just shined down onto this, uh, this map. I said, this is it. So if you take the map and start at the F terminal. F stands for figure out what you want. Step one, so many people don't figure out what they want. And when I say what you want, I'm talking about for your life. Make sure that you design and have a clear vision of what your life is and then plug in what you want to see for your business into it. I bought a business that had warehousing operations here in Atlanta. It was a physical brick and mortar operation. I could not move it. I wanted to move to California a few years ago. I couldn't do it. Why? Because my business was located here. I didn't think far enough ahead that, hey, maybe I don't want to own a brick-and-mortar company. Make sure you figure out what you want, that vision for your life, and then make sure that all the areas support that. E, you've got to come up with an efficient and an effective plan. D, the D gate. You've got to decide. You've got to make a decision. But a decision's not enough. You've got to move to the Seagate. And the Seagate is commitment. Years ago, I wanted to go skydiving. So I booked a reservation. I went out to the airport. I got on the plane. At this point, I wasn't committed. I had just decided. When we got up in the air, 
I was still only decided at that point when we jumped, or I should say I got dragged out with my instructor, <laughs> you know, strapped to my back or him strapped to my back. Guess what? I was committed. There was no turning back. And so often people make a decision and they don't follow through with the commitment. Next, beliefs and your belief systems. And this is something that really, really derails people. You know, everything's going great, but there's something going on in that psychology that says, I'm not good enough. I'm not worth it. This isn't going to work. What are people going to think about me? And they sabotage themselves. And this is where I see a lot of problems with the execution is in this belief system. Next is action, right? We've got to take massive action. And we've got to adjust, and we need someone to hold us accountable. Not an accountability partner, right? An accountability manager. Someone that doesn't want to be our buddy, doesn't want to be our friend, and is going to call it like it is. And this is why I wanted to bring this up now is T is for time. You know, once you start acting, things don't happen right away. There's a strain of bamboo in Thailand that grows under the ground for seven years. You don't see it. It literally is underground for seven years. Not one little sprout comes up. But in the seventh year, this sprout comes up. And then in the next couple of weeks, this thing grows like three feet. But you didn't even know it was there. And that's what happens so often in, in these uh, enterprises is they're working, working, working. And then what happens, right? You start to get distracted. You're like, too much time has passed. It should be working by now. And then they start all over. They see the shiny penny and they start all over. And that's exactly what happens at the airport. And it's interesting because when people get to the T-gate, they think they're at baggage claim. They think they've arrived. And they get off the train. They look around. The doors close and the train leaves without them. A matter of fact, my son did this literally two months ago. I'm telling the story. I'm, I'm like having a seminar in the train. So I said, look, kids, now remember what I tell you about the, you know, so I'm going through this. I, I'm sure the people in the train are looking at me going, who is this guy? <laughs> but people get off, the train leaves, and of course, B, baggage claim, that's where you pick up your bag, that's where you pick up the prize, whatever you were after. But so often, people don't spend the time that's necessary to see it through. This is actually a pretty incredible analogy, I have to say. The fact that you were on the tram and you know saw the F-E-D-C-B-A-T, I've been on that tram many times, by the way. Yeah. Big Delta yeah. Uh, loyalist here, so I'm always flying through there. And um, it's crazy that you had this epiphany and that was your success formula. Well, and, and I'll tell you something. I had pieces of it defined in books and notes that I had been taking for years, literally 15 years. And when I go, I was going back through some of these books recently, I'm like, oh, there it is. I had the decision. I had the commitment piece. I had the belief. So when it all came together, my brain was already looking for this map. For years, it had been looking for it. It's really incredible because under B, you said it's beliefs and belief system. And that's one of the areas that we work on the most here with this podcast is trying to lift people's limiting beliefs around their money mindset, what they think they are capable of, worthy of, and what they deserve. Do you have any tips on this? Do you have any way to help people, you know, bust through these limiting mindsets? Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes, I do. First of all, to break through these limiting minds, uh, mindsets, it may seem very difficult. I'll, I'll tell you a story. I, I have a client. He's an investment advisor. And he's been making a half a million dollars a year for 
I don't know, call it seven, eight years. Taking home uh, half a million. And he goes, Thor, I, I need some help just breaking through the barrier of what, you know, what I think I can do. I said, well, okay, what do you think is possible? And he goes, he tells me what's possible. I said, if you do that, where are you going to be in three years? He goes, ah, you know, maybe 600. I said, so it's going to take you three years to get another $100,000 to the bottom line. He goes, yeah, if I do this and this. I said, is it possible? I'm not saying that it's probable, but is it possible that you could actually bring in another a million dollars of assets under management in a week? Have you ever done that? He goes, yeah, yeah I've, done, I've done that. I mean, it doesn't happen very often. I said, but you've done it before, right? He goes, yeah. I said, could you do it again? He said, yeah. I was like, great. Your new goal for September is $4 million under asset, under management. He goes, I I've never done that before. I said, you just told me you've done it. You've brought in a million in a week. Is that correct? Or did you lie to me? He said, no, I I've done that. So now all you have to do is just do four of those in a row. He goes, I've never done that. I said, I know you haven't, but you've done the one thing. And I'm not worried about steps three, four, and five. All I'm interested in is this week. What do you got to do today in order to set that up? I don't care about tomorrow. I don't care about next week or next Monday. What can you do right now to start to put a million on the books this week? And long story short, he did it in one month. One month. He hit his goal of four million. It's, it's Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that it's incredible that it just took you to shake him by the shoulders and challenge him. Why do we <laughs> wait for that? Like, wh why do we need that? Why don't we do that on our own? He asked me the same question. I he literally asked me the same question. He goes, why am I doing this? And, and why am I paying you to have me do this? I said, you just like me. You just like having me around. <laughs> because here's what happens, right? We get stuck in our own limiting beliefs of what we think is possible. And we need people around us that shake us up and say, here is what is possible. And we may not do it this week. We may not do it next week. It may take us tr a lot of trial and error. That's why we have to adjust. That's another mistake a lot of people make is they're not tracking, they're not measuring, seeing what's working, what's not working, and then being able to pivot, right? We get stuck in this mindset of, I know how it goes, this is what I'm doing, I'm staying course, I'm not adjusting, I'm doing this. You know, one of my biggest areas in our practice right now is accountability. I had no interest, no idea that I would ever be doing accountability. But what happened was client after client after prospect after people I'd meet on the streets said, hey, hey, would you would you hold me accountable for this, this, and this? I said, That's, we, we don't do that. And it kept going on. And in one week, I swear, there was like 20 people that came to me and I said, before I get hit by a bus with the word accountability struck, you know, written across the side of it, I, I, I get the message. Universe, God, I get the message. I will do something with regards to accountability. And then I started doing it, and I was, you know, I was holding them accountable, but I was kind of nice to them, you know? And they're like, no, Thor, I, I need you to really just, I mean, come on, get after me. I said, <laughs> it was, I had a group. It was interesting. I said, look, I've got two switches here. We've got nice Thor, and then we've got Thor's coming at you if you don't get this stuff done. I used a little different language. And they're like, no, bring it, bring it. I'm like, are you sure? And he said, yes. I said, well, here's the rules. The rule is you don't have to do what you said you're going to do if you hit one or two things. Two conditions. That's it. Those are your only two excuses. One, this month, you died. Two, you've been incarcerated for more than 14 days in a row. 
Other than that, no excuses. And they're like, ooh, this doesn't sound like an accountability partner. It's, it's incredible that we need people to do that for us in our life. So where yeah. do we find these people if they can't afford to hire you? Well, first of all, find some, hire somebody. You know, our programs start at $95 a month. And, you know, that, that's, that's not crazy. For $95 to have somebody hold you accountable, if that doesn't work in your budget, we've got some other things that we need to talk, talk about. But maybe it doesn't. Find someone that you can pay $5. I don't know. Find somebody that you pay. Because here's the thing. Chris, if you and I were accountability partners, right, we'd start off with, hey, you know, we're holding each other accountable. And then one week, you didn't get done what you had to get done. How are you going to come to the meeting and say, Thor, you didn't get this done when you didn't get your own stuff done? You can't do it. And then pretty soon, we're hanging out and we're talking. It's like, hey, you know. Have a kids? How's the dog? How's life? Oh, how's your knee doing? Is it doing better? Oh, you know what? You need. Ah, I understand why you didn't get it done. You become friends. That's not the way to go about accountability. No, no, not at all. Tell me about the program that we can hire for ninety-five dollars a month. Yeah, yeah, you can you can go over to uh, thorconklin.com. It's under accountability, and basically the accountability groups. We. Touch base with you once a week. We find out exactly what you're trying to get done. We follow up at the end of the week. That's where the accountability system starts. And it goes all the way up to literally daily contact where you are sending stuff in every day and we're corresponding back every single day. That's incredible. People will definitely be checking that out. So I want to talk a little bit more about money and in in particular, the drive for more profit, right? We're sticking in your wheelhouse here. Profit seems to get a bad name out there sometimes, Um, especially these days. People are claiming that large companies like the airlines and several others have taken their quest for profit too far. What are your thoughts on this? Look, if you're not creating a profit, there's only one reason why a company goes out of business. It doesn't have the profits. It doesn't have the cash. And when it runs out of the cash, it no longer exists. When the company no longer exists, everyone that it was serving no longer is served. Every person that was working there is no longer being employed. There is no money passing to anybody or any organization. If you want to be an incredible philanthropist from a dollar perspective, what do you need? You need money. You need to make money so you can give it away. So I don't know what what else to say about that. It's without profit, what do we do? I love we it. Just, I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. You can't pay taxes. If you can't pay the taxes, we don't have the government programs. I absolutely could not agree more with that statement. So let's take that one step further. Of all the entrepreneurs, all the companies that you work with, and by the way, I checked out your podcast. Really impressive list of people that you interview. Um, Thank you. Of everyone that you work with and everyone you see, have you seen then a correlation between profit and impact? Meaning the correlation between those who make more are also making more impact in the world. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I'll go back to Sarah for for a second. Okay. She signed the uh, give half my stuff away pledge. I know yeah. I butchered that one. I know. The, uh, the billionaire's <laughs> pledge. Like What's one? it called? I forget. Yeah, I forget the name. All right. So she's going to give away half of her uh, net worth before she, uh, be- before she dies. Jesse, her husband, uh, founder of Marquee Jets. All right. If you go to Facebook, we do hard stuff. What he does is he's having people do hard stuff. There's a workout, basically. If you do the workout and then stand in by the end of the month, say, hey, I did this workout so many days, he donates money on your behalf. They've 
donated up to, I think it's close to a half a million dollars so far. He has people working out. He has people, he's putting up all the money, and he's giving it away to charity. They pick a charity each month. Now, could Jesse Itzler, if he did not found Marquee Jets, if he did not sell Marquee Jets, if he did not make a profit along the way and he had no money, could he give money away to charity? No. What a great example. I'm such a Jesse Itzler fan. I became a fan, by the way, when I read his book, Living with a Seal. Now, do you know him pretty well? Yes. I, well, I've gotten to know him over the last year and a half. Has he ever talked I, about that, that part of his life or no? Oh, yeah. It, it's yeah, Absolutely. That's um, intense. That's intense. Okay, yeah, so sticking with generosity, what role has generosity played in your success? You know, I find every time, if, if there was a unit, if it, let's say it's a dollar. If I give away a dollar, 10 comes back. If I give away a minute, an, an incredible 10-fold blessing comes back my way. You know, the stuff that I do with Tony Robbins, I don't get paid to work with Tony. I volunteer my time. I pay my own way to travel around the world. I pay my own hotel. And I get the blessing of working with some amazing souls for four, five, seven days and see the transformations that they make in their lives and their businesses, and then get to live that with them going forward. I get email and postcard and all kinds of things consistently that is just a result of some time and some compassion and some insights that I happened to pick up along the way that I was able to give and pay forward. It's got to be the best feeling in the world, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I, it, it, it really is. It really is. Um, I, I, I just love it. And, you know, some people can't afford my consulting. And at, at the end of this show, I'll, I'll give something free for your, uh, for your listeners as well. And it takes a lot of my time, but if I can just give a few minutes of my time in order to create change in one person's life and then they can repay it, pay it forward to somebody else. Come on. Why are we here? That's what it's all about. I love the way you operate, though. I really do. So we do this really fun little segment. I call it Two Minutes of Bragging. And it's just <laughs> okay. a, a fun segment aimed at helping our listeners be inspired yeah. to give a little bit more than they already do. So putting you on the spot, what is one of your favorite moments of giving that you can recall? <sighs> favorite moments of, of, of giving has to come uh, to, to the work that I do with Tony. I, I, I don't want to keep going back back to that, but, you know, there was there was a, a gentleman that was just I, I, I saw him from a distance. I had not spoken to him. I didn't know who he was. And I just went over and just had a conversation with him. And without the details of the whole thing, basically, he credits that interaction for completely changing his life forever. Wow. And and and. I, I could list hundred, not hundreds, maybe I don't, lots of, of experiences very similar to that. So it's incredible. You know, a lot of people answer that question with a monetary answer. And the last few examples you've given are very much volunteering time and, and knowledge and expertise. Yeah. I think that gets overlooked many times in how valuable the time and the expertise is up and uh, above and beyond money oftentimes would you say oh absolutely look do i do i write checks too yes but it's easy to write a check right 
you write the check and the, and then you're done. I want to know that I had a hand in changing the psychology, the process, the actions of an individual. And when I write the check, I don't know how it's going to be spent, where it's going to be spent, and, and that's okay. But I know it's almost the difference between buying the fish and teaching them how to fish. Yes. I want to teach people how to fish. And I know I have the skills and the tools to do that, and it just takes my time and attention and presence with people. So that's what I like doing. Wow. Absolutely love it. You and I definitely see eye to eye in, in all of these subjects. Thor, where can we find you? You said you have a gift for all the listeners. It's incredibly gracious yes. of you. How do yeah, we get a hold you. of you? Uh, easiest way to get a hold of me is thorconklin.com. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, thorconklin.com. It's it's very, very easy. But the website's the best uh, way. Oh, and by the way, I don't have any autoresponders. You send me an email at thor at thorconklin.com. You're not going to get my assistant. You're not going to get an autoresponder. Responder. You are not going to end up on a newsletter um, email chain or drip <laughs> campaign. So <laughs> I, love it. I despise those. I love it. Um, and my free gift for everybody is if there is something that is getting in your way and you just can't figure out, you know, you're just having a difficult time and you just seem to kind of be hitting your head up against the wall and it's a problem that you need solved. If you send me a 50 word or less email, make it very specific, very clean, very uh, short email to Thor at ThorConklin.com. I will get back to you with a four step process to either improve or completely eliminate the problem. Wow. I mean, that is generous right there. 50 words or less, though. No life stories, guys. Right? Yeah. I mean, if it's, look, if it's 52, I'm not going to throw it out. All right. <laughs> Just exactly. <laughs> Tell me the facts. Oh, I love it. You are such a giving individual, and, and obviously that's on par with your success, and, and we're super grateful. Last signature question that I ask everybody, yeah. and it's so interesting, the different responses. Why should people be unapologetic about their pursuit of wealth and success? My belief is you need to be unapologetic because simply wealth is a byproduct of a value you provide it to the marketplace. If you provide massive value to others, massive value will come your way. Thor, that is a perfect answer, and that is exactly what you did for us today. You provided massive value, and I can't say thank you enough. I really, really appreciate you jumping on the show today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you very much. This is exciting. I, I could go on for hours. <laughs> as, it, as it goes on, I just get more and more energy because – I see so many people out there suffering. There's, there's no need to. And the, the, the answers you already have, just get in there, start grinding away, start doing the hard work and have somebody, somebody around you that can look at you and tell you the truth. When you're off track, they'll get you back on track. When you're on track, they'll cheerlead for you. But get somebody. This is not to be done alone. I did training with Navy SEALs last year. And one of the things I learned was no matter how in shape you are, no matter how much of a bad – I don't want to curse on the show. Ass. <laughs> you go for <laughs> it. <laughs> a badass you are. There, there, I, there were guys in there that were going to buds. And at some point during the weekend, they broke down and they needed my help. And at parts of the weekend, I needed their help. Don't do this alone. There is no honor in saying that you did it all by yourself. 
get some people around you, do it as a team. Wow. You need that tribe, don't you? Yes, you do. If you want to do it easier and faster and better. Amen. Amen. Thor, thank you so much, my friend. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.